Take your Bible, if you would please, today to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3. And I want to speak to you on this subject. We have a church worth supporting. And uh, the frown came back. I'm not talking only about your, your finances. I'm talking about your time, your talents, your treasure. I think we have a church worth supporting. Uh, thank God for the church. You say, what would America be without the church? Cuba. Iran. Iraq. What would the world be without the church? Lost. Bound for a devil's hell. Without hope. Without any future. Man, I love the church. I love Joshua Baptist Church. I don't know about all the rest of them. Uh, but we'll not be serving beer tonight. We got some different hooch that we serve around here called the Holy Hooch. Amen. We get high and don't ever come down. Amen, buddy. I think Brother Pickett's jealous. He asked me if he could go to that church tonight. <laughs> Ridiculous what people call Christianity anymore. I mean, it's just absolutely pathetic. And I, I, we're in the theme of stewardship through the month of January. And, of course, <clears throat> We always close the meeting out in the first week of February with Prove Your Love Sunday. And the Bible is very plain. We prove our love by our giving. Second uh, Corinthians 8 and 9. God loves a cheerful giver. We do not give grudgingly, but we give hilariously. God loves a cheerful giver. And boy, I'm glad because God is a cheerful giver. He gives unto us on a regular basis. Now, I just thought that would be a good title for the sermon. I'm not going to preach on that. I just thought it looked good on the on the on the on the, the screens. And the church is not that building. That building is the meeting place. For the church. You are the church. The church is a living organism. The church has members, living, breathing members. Members with needs. Members with hurts. Members with anxieties and disappointments and disillusion. Members. Members who came to church this morning with different and sundry expectations, different and sundry needs. For some, you come looking for a husband. I'm sorry, the good one has been taken. I'm sure you didn't come looking for a liar, because if you did, you just found one. But just imagine all the different and sundry hurts and agonies and pains. Some came today with blessings beyond measure. I preach all over the country and 
I use many of you for personal illustrations of how God has blessed you financially. Your family has been blessed because you've embraced uh, stewardship principles in the Word of God. Your home is a much better place because of what you've learned in this place. If you are ignorant of the Bible and you're a member of Joshua Baptist Church, you are willfully ignorant. There are classes, opportunities beyond measure. And uh, for 29 years, I put my life, my family's life, in this church. And I have not regretted one single it's returned to me many times anything I've ever put in this church. The Bible says in verse number 14 of Ephesians 3, the great apostle Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And he says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Want to know why we call each other brother and sister? Because we're the family of God. Amen. We're just a bunch of brothers and sisters dealing with each other in a family context, a spiritual family. Preacher, do you ever have any disagreements in your church? Do you ever have any disagreements in your family? Have you and your sister ever felt like killing one another? Has husbands and wives ever had any Baptist disagreements? We don't have arguments. Baptist disagreements. Have you ever seen your husband go out of the driveway leaving two black marks down the driveway as he did a wheelie going to McDonald's to get his dinner. <laughs> That's why I like this church. We never have any problems. That he would grant unto you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the interman that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Paul's praying that this would happen. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without him. Amen. What a prayer.
Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. I would not want to do anything that would rob Jesus Christ of his glory at Joshua Baptist Church. That's why we'll not be serving booze tonight. I would not want to dress in a certain way. As a member of the church, to rob Jesus of his glory. I would not want to sing or participate in any kind of music that would not bring glory to Jesus Christ. I am not here for what I can get out of the service. I'm here to put something into the service that he might receive glory in the service. Getting quiet and I haven't said anything at all yet. In the Bible, in the book of Acts chapter number 20 and verse 28, and I'll turn there and read it. If you'd like to find it, you can. And Paul, again, is speaking. And he says to the folks at Ephesus, the elders that he has met with, and he says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church of God, which he, Christ, hath purchased with his own blood, that he might receive the glory, world without end. I would to date that we could get across to you that the heartbeat of God is the church the one you're sitting in today the one you came to attend today it's not buildings magnificent as they may be and we built them to bring glory to God I think if our God should not be exposed as being bankrupt I think God deserves the very best and I think that we ought to bring glory to him with our Ephesus and with our buildings and with everything we do. But that is not the church. You're sitting by the church. You are the church. You have been purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb. I believe that we have a church worth supporting. Stewardship is practice in the light of God's established institutions. Stewardship. God has established the marriage, the home, 
and the church and government. I'd like to take that one back, but I cannot. How many folk think that God's still in control? Many folks think God knows what's going on in Cuba and Iran and Iraq. I don't think he does in Washington, but how about the other places? I'm just being facetious. But I think stewardship, since we are having a stewardship emphasis, I think stewardship is actually nothing else, but it is practiced in the realm of God's established institutions. I think we ought to be good stewards at home. I think the husbands ought to keep their eyes at home. I think the wives should cook regularly at home. That wasn't in the sermon. That was just put in there hoping that Ginger may have been listening for a moment. And I think in the light of the scriptures, we as Christians need to be good stewards in the institutions in which God has established. Now, I don't like where my taxes are going. I don't like the amount of taxes that I'm paying. But I'd sure rather pay taxes in America as to live in Iraq. And so I, I don't think God ever asked me if I liked what was going on in Washington. And I don't think I could do much about it. But I know someone who can, and the Lord Jesus Christ can do something about it. And I think we ought to be good stewards in the matter of our homes and in the church. Because the Bible said it is God's church which he has purchased with his own blood. And I'd like to give you four things and four reasons why I believe, now you can believe anything you want to, why I believe we have a church we're supporting. Number one, I think we have a church worthy of our support because of her master. Her master. Have you read lately Colossians 1.18? And he is the head of the body, the church, which is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Ladies and gentlemen, I want Jesus Christ to have the preeminence not only from this pulpit, but in every toilet in this place. I think whatever happens, whatever is preached, whatever is taught, whatever is sung, and whatever is done on this platform ought to bring him glory, and he ought to be the preeminent one. When you give to this church, you are given to him, not to the preacher. I know why that preacher's got so much, because he steals the offering. If I wanted to get in trouble, I would want to get in trouble with more than what you bring in each week. 
If I'm going to get shot at, beat up, thrown into prison, treated like a rank dog, it's going to be more than what you gave in the offering last Sunday. You do not give it to me. You do not give it to members. You bring it to him that he might receive the glory and the honor and the praise because he deserves all the preeminence because he has bought this church with his own blood. And I think anything we should do, it ought to bring glory to God. That's why we call it church. Have you ever heard such a ridiculous statement? That church is just too churchy. What they're saying is that church is not enough like the world for me. What I want is music like down at Billy Bob's. Now we not only have the music, now we're bringing the bud in. Well, listen, folk. If you're trying to join that kind of church, if I was you, I'd visit somewhere else next week. Because this is not what this church is all about. This church is worth supporting, not because of its minister, but because of its master. I just believe with all my heart, bless your heart, that he created the church. Matthew 16 and 18, the Bible said, And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Somewhere in the world, it may be behind the curtains, it may be behind the door, but somewhere in the world there's a church just like Jesus started. It will perpetuate itself. It will continue. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want this church to be one of them hell-charging churches that's not ashamed of the gospel and the word of God. I can put my money in this place because I know it goes to the right thing. It goes to the winning of lost souls here and around the world. Some of you guys need to wake up and at least grunt. You don't have to say, man, it might embarrass you in front of your wife. And wife, if your husband's too afraid to say amen, you say it. You said, well, the Bible tells women to keep silent in the church. That's talking about speaking in tongues. You can cuss him out when you get home, but not here. <laughs> Just say amen. Can't do that. I'm about to pass out. I've lost all the wind. <laughs> Andrew said that they said, Daddy, you've changed a lot in your preaching. I thought he's going to say you begin to compromise. He said, You've got smooth. And uh, what was some of the words he said? We have a church we're supporting because of the co-pastor. Christ is her master. He created the church. He commissioned the church. He said, and all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And at the church meeting at that time was made up of 12 members. He said, first in the church, the apostles. To the 12 members, he said, now all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. 
Now I'm going to give it to you. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even till the end of the world. Amen. And by God's grace and with God's help, 29 years ago I started this church to be a soul-winning, gospel-preaching church, one that would bring honor and glory to God. For 29 years, we've tried to hold to that, that preface. And God helping me till I die, this church will be worthy of your support because of our master, because of our ministry, and because of our mission. Amen. Every once in a while, you just have to prevent me just act like I used to act. And start talking about how Christians need to dress. We're not going to dress down to try to get those who we hope may dress up. We're going to dress up so it'll embarrass those who dress down when they come, they might get the message we need to dress up. We're not going to give in to the world's philosophy. We're not going to give in to this thing. I'll tell you, if, if government don't watch out, marriage ain't going to mean a dumb thing in this country. I got about that much respect for a marriage license. Because I've got about that much respect for those folks who's bringing down the sanctity of marriage. It works. Well, preacher, you don't say anything about it, you might have some folks who get mad at you. They're already mad at me if they feel that way because they know where I stand. And they know where this church stands. I don't have to harp on it. That's just where we stand. Don't. That's not in the message. I ain't written down. I don't know why I said it. But thank God for her master. Not only did he create the church, he commissioned the church. He's coming for his church. Are you glad of that? And the Bible said, as they stood, they watched the glory cloud of God come down from heaven and smoothed under the feet of our Lord. And in Acts chapter number 1, they say that the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection body, standing on a cloud, was taken up into the heaven. And two angels walked up and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye there gazing? This same Jesus that is taken up from you shall so come again in like manner. <laughs> I 
I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. I don't have much confidence in undertakers, but I got a lot of faith in the uppertaker. One blessed day. Oh, yes, one blessed day. The master of the church is coming back for his own. Wouldn't it be nice before the Super Bowl? We wouldn't have to worry about deflated football. How much money do you think and how much airtime, TV time, radio time, and my time have they spent talking about footballs that's short of a pound and a half of iron? Earth-shaking, isn't it? Isn't it earth-shaking? Absolutely mind-boggling. How anybody can play football with an unscriptural ball. Oh, what we waste our time on listening, reminiscing, suggesting, giving our ideas. You know what I think of football with no air in them? Got a Greek word. <coughs> and yet, we worry. What's a reverend going to do with the money I put in the church? Not the reverend's money. It's the master's money. And whatever you put in this place, I promise you, if you put it in with the right attitude, Christ will get the glory. And you will get the blessing. Your church is worth supporting because it's a master. Secondly, because of her message. I don't preach much psychology around here. Now, I know a lot. And I got diplomas and degrees everything in the world that says I know something about what's happening to you that nobody else knows. And I found it one day. Are you ready? I'll tell you what's wrong with you. No, I'll tell you what's wrong with the person sitting beside you. Because I don't want you to get mad at me. And I don't care if the person next to you gets mad at me. I just do not want you to get mad at me. Now, here's your problem. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But how can I give glory to God in the church? By getting saved. He's the one who gets glory when you get saved. And the church is the good place to get saved because that is the place God has chosen for him to receive glory. And I think you have a church worth supporting because of her message. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for the power of God unto salvation to every man that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's our message. The gospel. 
That's our message, the good news, that Jesus Christ has come and died and was buried and rose again on the third day. Hallelujah! He's alive. We do not have to go graveyard to find our Savior. We do not have to look in a glass casket there to bow and pay penance. No, sir. Our Savior has arisen and he's alive today. And he is the master, the creator, the starter of the church. And he left us a message. The message is the death, burial, and resurrection of Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that. Well, Paul, aren't you ashamed? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. Well, Paul, who can get saved? To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, if you've been a member here long, you'll probably discover we talk a lot about Jesus. Now, if you have been a member here very long, uh, we, we talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why would we do that? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. You're going to die, but only He has the power to raise you up. Thank God! for the message of the Joshua Baptist Church. Now be careful. i got to close. It's a message that examines us. Let me read you something. I just believe with all of my heart. For the Word of God is quick, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now listen. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, folk get mad at me, but in actuality they're mad at that. Because that is a spiritual x-ray of your life. It wasn't my idea in this book to get married. It come out of here. It wasn't something me and Ginger come up with. Amen. It wasn't that I was standing in front of a mirror one day in my Bermuda shorts and looked at those sexy looking things protruding down to the floor that I decided I would not wear a new movie anymore. It's just that I did not want to lure you folks into the tub of lust. Shut up, bigot. I didn't come up with the idea when I got saved about 49 years ago that I should give God 10% of everything. That was not my idea. I wrestled with that man. I said, look at all the churches got, and I'm so broke I need a co-signer to pay cash. Look at the car the preacher's driving, and look at mine. 10% of what I was making go down there. 
That wasn't my idea. Because I wrestled with that. I fought with that. I found it in here. For the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword to divide and asunder the bone and the marrow. Why? Now listen. The Bible said that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you come to church and I preach to you, and you don't feel like you've had a worming when you left, touch me after the service because you're holier than I am. I get to worming before I get here. I get to worming while I'm studying and praying and seeking. And the Word of God is the discerner. It tells us where we come short. It tells us where we need to improve. It convicts us when we're wrong. It encourages us to do right. Thank God for her message. I need to close because some of this is getting kind of exciting. I know that. But I love her message because it educates us. When I got saved, I was absolutely ignorant of this book. Do you know what would be a rougher, what would be worse? Be being saved four to nine years and still being ignorant. This church attempts to equip to make you aware to grow to be fruitful. This church has so many programs, so many opportunities. We started a class called a newcomer's class. You don't have to be a member. And all that Brother Pickett does is try to teach folk about this church. No matter how many churches you've been in, I guarantee this will be different. He tells them about the finances, tell them about the offers, tell them about this, tell them about that, that you might be acquainted with this church and the operations of this church and the mission of this church and the message of this church. You can leave that class and go into any number of adult classes and choose the topic that you would like to learn. We've got a young couples class. I went in there this morning and had it decorated like Star Wars. I went looking for the force. Where's the force? Where's the force? There wasn't no force. They were just weenies covered with bread. They call them... Hot, what do you mean? 
pigs in a blanket. You got it? You can come out of this class, go into a Sunday school class, and enter into a discipleship class where one-on-one -on -one for 16 to 20 weeks we will teach you this book and acquaint you with this book. Several in here has gone through that and several is teaching that. We emphasize soul winning, knocking on doors, confronting folk with eternity. It's not about buildings. It's not about budgets. It's about phones. Answer that, Obama said he's going to call me. I needed some advice. So answer that, maybe calling me. Billy, was that yours? Billy can't even hear me. Billy's the only, only guy on staff that turns his hearing aids down when I start preaching. He's been here so long now, he says, I've heard them all anyhow. This church worth supporting because of her master, because of her message, because of her mission. Has anybody been by your house lately to tell you about heaven? Have you seen anybody lately with a tear in their eye? Concerned about where you'll spend eternity? The Bible said, they that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again, with rejoicing bringing the sheaves with them. As long as I live, I hope this church never lose its tear. As long as I live, as long as I breathe God's air and preach God's message, I want to do it with a broken heart and a tear-filled eye. And I believe with all that God has put in me, if I will glorify the Savior and preach his message with a broken heart and a tear-filled eye, I believe God will save sinners. And I believe God will continue to bless this great church. What a testimony your church has, not only here, but around the world. Dr. House, our staff evangelist, preaches all over the world. And he preaches every week someplace. He's living proof that practice does not make perfect. But you can talk to him, and, and he will tell you about the testimony this church has. Not those buildings, but you, through all these many years, has sacrificed and set aside your time, your treasure, and your talent. I just believe in closing. I closed. How many times I closed? Twice. Well, I've written down your three closes and you're done. Could I have an amen on her message and on her master and on her mission. That's why this church 
is worthy of anything. filled our soul. Let me close. This church is worthy of your support because of her members. Some of the best people that ever breathe God's sweet air are members of this church. I had a member just the other day come to me and say, Preacher, we need to upgrade our buses. Could I help in upgrading our buses? In a few weeks, there'll be new buses sitting on a parking lot. And this family going to pay for all of those buses to be upgraded. I said this morning, I said, we've got some buses that are 2005 and 6 models. They said we were thinking about newer buses. I don't know if you know it or not, but the newer you get, probably the more they're going to cost. I told them, I said, well, it's going to cost about $3,500 to $4,000 to upgrade our buses with 2005 models. Now, them newer ones are going to cost more money to upgrade because we're buying them from a crook who has a gray suit and a red tie on, who now is slumped way down in his in his pew. Who feels no conviction at all about this. And if he comes to the altar, he don't mean it. He's just doing it for a show. <laughs> Great members. Great members. My wife has been counting the money and writing the checks ever since the church been in existence. From time to time, she'll tell, tell me, Honey, I'm overwhelmed at the faithfulness of our widows. Not the man who called me on the phone and said, Preacher, I got a quarter million dollar check. If you'll pick me up, pick it up at the office. And I've had that to happen. I'm impressed and I'm encouraged by the faithfulness of our widows. It's not how much, it's why. We ought to give it that he might get the glory. We ought to attend because he gets the glory. We ought to live it because he gets the glory. And I believe 
We have got the best church. Maybe not the biggest, but the best church I've ever preached in in my life. And the church is you. Different faces, different personalities, different incomes, different desires, different hurts, different woes. But all in all, I think we have a church worth supporting because of a master, because of a message, because of a mission, because of the members. One family. Our church wrote them checks for $210,000 in five years. Because we love people. And I just believe when we was writing those checks to help that family, God was getting the glory for it. When I felt he no longer was getting the glory for it, we kept writing. Don't ever say this church don't care. Don't you dare ever say this church don't care. I think you have a church worthy of your support because of her members. We're the light of the world. You lighten up your part of it. the light of the world. You are the light. We're the light. We're the salt of the earth. And the Bible said he's made us ambassadors to reconcile others to Christ. I just believe you have a church worthy of your support.